This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got a very exciting episode for you filled with gold earring discoveries that lead to Viking trading routes, the largest sapphire ever found, and so much more. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. First thing I found was a geocrystals, quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name, felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, you can find lots of rocks, cause radical rocks are everywhere. That's right guys, there is all kinds of radical rocks. To talk about today, we're going to talk about a beautiful blue rare mineral called cavensite. We're going to talk about some earrings that were found, uh, gold ones, that helped tell what the Viking trading routes were. The largest blue sapphire unveiled some 660 pounds, over 300 kilograms, monster called the Queen of Asia. We'll talk about that. There's a giant asteroid that uh, has been headed toward Earth. We'll talk about the Madagascar gym, gemstone rush. We will talk about Poland dinos. We're going to talk about salt and sea, 10 greatest dino discoveries, and so much more, guys. So let's get right into it. Thank you guys for supporting our social media you just look up Radical Rocks, we'll show up on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor. We have YouTube videos, of course, the podcast, and a blog at Blogspot. All those are available to you to be part of the community. Um, we appreciate your support. With that, let's get into it. Um, there is a gemstone that is called the Pantone, and it is a beautiful purple Jim, uh, it is lab created, and um, this can be purchased at Rio Grande and other places where it is a beautiful, vivid periwinkle blue with a violet red undertones. And uh, I think it kind of blends in, it's kind of like a man made tanzanite, I believe. And um, you might want to check that out if you're looking for something different and something beautiful and you're okay with lab-created stuff, that is kind of interesting. Now, there is those of us who don't really do much with rocks, and perhaps you've seen a rock tumbler. And this is the way to polish rocks by just spinning them round and round. It's very time-consuming, but there's a great article um, by InputMag.com and it's entitled, This Workhorse Rock Tumbler Makes Righteous Gemstones. And you can check this out, Edgar um, Alvarez Barajars writes the article and talks about how these rock tumblers can make beautiful smooth stones and um, how you can do it, how this hobby is started. Um, rock tumbling goes back to about the 50s when a Los Angeles jewelry designer named Edward Swoboda 
collaborated with a friend of his and created a tumbling machine. And then the hobbyist tumblers became very popular through the 60s and 70s and um, kind of died out in the 80s and 90s, but it's made some sort of a kind of a, uh, a rebirth of sorts amongst people who are now interested in rocks and minerals. Not, not quite the national pastime that it once was here in the U.S., but if you own a tumbler, they have links for tumblers here. They have an episode uh, of, of uh, HBO Hacks, which talks about tumbling, um, using a tumbler, using these in jewelry. The video link is right there. You can watch a version of how to uh, use a professional rock tumbling kit and start getting these colorful, beautiful gemstones. You will do four cycles, they say, anywhere from three to 10 days each using different grits. Of course, you start off with the most coarse grit, taking off the corners and edges. Once they are smooth, you start using the smoother grits. Um, and then finally, the polish. Now, they have all that information there on how you can do that. And um, it's at input, I-N-P-U-T-M-A-G.com about rock tumblers if you want to check that out. Now, there is a giant asteroid flying uh, toward Earth, and this article is written by Jake Pearson, and it's swordstoday.ie, and it's about a NASA report. It says, NASA reports dangerous giant asteroid flies to Earth, approaches Earth on Saturday. Well, the good news is that was last Saturday, so uh, we're okay. Just because an asteroid is uh, going uh, near Earth doesn't mean it's the end of the Earth. This asteroid, uh, Nereus, will fly through Earth at about uh, 3.84 million kilometers away. The moon is 10 times farther than that, so that's pretty clo close when you really think about space and everything. This particular asteroid flies around the Earth about every uh, orbit is about, the orbit of it is about every 664 days. It approaches Earth about every 10 years or so. And um, apparently there's times when it gets closer and other times when it's farther away. The Japanese Space Agency has decided to take samples of this asteroid using their spacecraft and um, they are doing experiments and such like that so they're hoping to land on there now it is dangerous because it is quite close and in November the 2nd 2031 another approach and this will be its closest visit to earth um, and even closer will be February 14th on 2060. So the asteroid is rich in mineral rocks. It's estimated to be 1.2 million miles from Earth, about three times further than the moon at that time. So pretty close, hopefully it won't hit the moon, hopefully their calculations are right. But uh, really neat, it talks about uh, the nickel, the iron, and the cobalt that is on this giant asteroid. 
and NASA is going to look at this. Of course, they're actually looking at ways to maybe even mine these asteroids, how to move them. Um, hopefully, they don't make any mistakes and put us in harm's way, right? All right. There is a new online guide to rocks and minerals that are all around you in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, USA. Rachel Vasquez at WPR.org writes about this and gives you the instructions of where to go see this. Now it is, uh, the related links are Wisconsin Rock and Mineral Guide, Wisconsin Geological and Natural History Survey. They have a lot of um, links here and then guidelines on where to go. You go to WPR.org and get all the information there. If you're in Wisconsin and you want to find out about that, you will want to check that out. And there's actually a uh, radio or a recorded audio that you can listen to as well. WPRN.org. Next, the... Ooh, I just deleted that. Darn. Let's see if I can find it again here. It was about the 10 most interesting dinosaurs. Here it is. Okay, I got it. Recovered one for once. Usually once I lose them, they're gone forever. <laughs> but this time, the uh, Google, not Google, but computer internet is smiling on me so national geographic says these are the 10 most amazing dinosaur discoveries of 2021 you just go to nationalgeographics.com look that up and you can read all about it but some of the highlights if they let me look at them because um, they don't like to let you look unless you subscribe yes i was on here earlier they have locked me out darn it oh man yeah, I was in here earlier, and they let me in. Now they don't. Okay, scratch that. You will have to sign up for email, which they will plague you with forever, and you can get access to the 10 most amazing dinosaurs that have been found in 2021. Or you can go back and listen to past episodes that we had, and we likely talk about most of those, if not all of them, in our discussions. So check that out. NASA reports... Um, updates. Where did that go? Okay. Let's talk about cavensite, a rare turquoise-hued mineral unique to Poon. Now, we've talked about this before, and if you want to look this up at IndianExpress.com, the Indian Express, written by Dipanditya Nate about this beautiful gemstone or well mineral really is what it is this article is quite in depth about this magnificent turquoise colored crystalline rock that you can see um, on display uh, at this particular area in Brazil is one area where there's a quarry the US New Zealand have only yielded small amounts of this mineral but Poon which is found in east of the city, Poon, you will find this cavern site, which is a greatly prized material because it's very rare. Um, 
a mineral collector who is in this city named Muhammad Mekai says there's lots of colorful crystalline materials in the showcase where they keep their specimens, but the deep blue piece tells a story of Pum and its long, long history on the earth. Cavensite is a mineral which is formed when igneous rock and molten lava, water, steam, and various chemicals were in circulation. Mineral-rich fluids filled cavities over in uh, a period of time, and crystallization of minerals took place due to hydrothermal action. Metal vandium was brought up to the surface from the Earth's mantle by lava flows in the Decapa Tarps in Pune. It is crystallized with silica and calcium to form cavensite. The discovery of this mineral was in 1988. It began with a miner who was mining at a quarry in Wag Holai and saw pieces of this radiant blue minerals among the stones. He contacted a geologist, Arvind Behel, who had uh, traveled across India, this is in India, for minerals. And then in the 70s uh, and 80s, it was not a very well-known mineral, but finally they were able to identify it. The geologist from Australia said uh, this was very similar to some that was found in Utah. And then they started collecting it. The owner of the quarry allowed the mineral to be extracted, thank goodness. And now when you go to museums around the world and see exceptional pieces of cavensite, it likely came from this area. There's a picture of Arvind Bahail with a cavensite specimen that he found in 1989 in this article. Goes on and on about this mineral. Um, it says cavensite belongs to a group called zeolites, minerals with large cavity in its molecular structure. And since there is metal, vandium, in cavesite, it is free to exchange cations or electrons with other substances. For instance, if you pass vehicular exhaust through a metal, vandium-based zeolite, any lead, cadmium, arsenic, or toxic gas and exhaust will be trapped. So the mineral serves as a microfiber and a catalytic converter. So... Also in this area, in these quarries, in this area of Pune in, um, in India, there is some rich minerals such as green amphalite and mesolite. Um, there's a picture of it here. It is quite beautiful, striking green uh, crystals and terminations all clumped together and forming this uh, beautiful green specimen as well as well so if you go to india you can see this exhibition and hold this uh specimen of this green amphalite the needle-like crystals of the mesolite and specimens of canvasite and other rare minerals from around india and around the world uh, pretty neat you might want to look this article up it goes on there's much more details Again, that's IndiaExpress.com under the article entitled Know Your City, Canvasite, a Rare Turquoise-Hued Mineral Unique to Poon. Check it out.
pretty cool. Well, we know lithium. I talk about it. This is a hot subject with the new battery craze, the new electrical vehicles that are supposedly going to be our only option in the near future. If you are in California, that's supposed to be happening uh, in the next couple years, even though that's pretty much impossible. If it has been mandated, then I guess it shall be, right? We will see. Anyway, if you go to mining.com, geothermal brimes in California Salton Sea could be the future source of lithium in the United States. Quite a bit of uh, authors here. Uh, Valentina Ruse Leotadia is accredited with this article. Um, they found, Berkeley scientists have found that this brine in the Salton Sea in California, the United States, can be a significant source of lithium. But there is some stuff to overcome. overcome. A geothermal plant is harvesting heat from the earth and this liquid that they use is from the Salton Sea and it is a rich stew of many minerals, salts, very, very heavy in salt. It comes out at 100 degrees Celsius. That's very hot. Um, they want to find a way to deal with it while it's still hot. There are some ideas for an advanced method of lithium extraction by absorption using inorganic sorbents and other promising technologies that are being developed could be used making inorganic molecular sieve ion exchange sorbents being applied for the extraction for lithium from brine. So they're going to use these other types of inorganic sorbents which are going to absorb the lithium and make it easier to extract. That's what they're working on. They have the support of the DOE, so the government's in on this. Um, they're saying, yeah, do it. We want not only your power, but we want your lithium. And they are aligned with Bedfellows, Berkshire Hathaway Energy, and uh, Controlled Thermal Resources to see if this lithium extraction uh, technologies can be done in a way that makes it cost competitive. In other words, will it make us filthy, dirty, rotten, rich? So um, there you go. Hopefully, um, it can be done. That could bring some jobs to the area um, and be done safely. Now, gold earring discovery sheds light on the Viking trading routes. Really cool, this piece of uh, jewelry, which they don't say, and I'm going to keep looking until I can find it, they don't say what the... The minerals are, I don't know if this is a glass or if these are gemstones. They, the way they look, the, the green is uh, hued. If it is green, it could be an emerald or a beryl. Um, the blue could be, um, I don't think it's sapphire. It could be um, something else such as, uh, I don't know. It's kind of dark. I don't think it's a sapphire. It could be. It could be a topaz. I'm not really sure. And then the dark blue could be a lapis. 
um, or something of that sort. It could even be glass. It looks like a Viking boat, the shape of it um, to me, and it's done with gold. There is a rope of gold that is intertwined, very beautiful. It has a lot of loops on it that makes me think that other gemstones might have been attached to it at one time. Maybe, maybe not. They're all intact, so um, hard to say. But this gold earring, which you can see at jewelermagazine.com um, by Richard Chu, is telling them a story because this was unearthed in Denmark. Um, there was somebody metal detecting around Denmark, and um, he actually turned it in because there you're supposed to turn in things that you find. And they said, wow, this isn't a normal area. So uh, they did some research at the museum there in Denmark. There's only about 10 or 12 pieces that are anything like this at all in the world. Um, this is the first piece that's found in Scandinavia, according to this article. And what they have traced this to is it was probably a gift from Egypt. So um, not a lot of Viking artifacts have been found. They're very rare. Um, this could have been a gift, they think, from an Egyptian ruler to a Viking chieftain. And it is very similar to another artifact known as the Cross of Dagmar, which has the same type of styling in it. Um, they have an image of the Cross of Dagmar uh, this is all around the 11th century CE that they feel this age is. The um, cross of Dagmar is a beautiful gold cross done uh, in different materials. I'm thinking these are paints, and it is a crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross um, done in gold. So very interesting they're uh, looking this over and uh, hopefully they will learn more about the Vikings very little known about them miners want voyagemology center commissioned at kenyanews.go.ke we can read about this gemology center here in uh, this area it says that it is the Tahiti Tavalet but uh, I'm thinking this is in Africa, uh, as the article suggests, uh, for Kenya. Now, they've been waiting decades for this. This is supposedly designed to help them work on their stones, grade their stones, get the best price. Uh, it is 99% complete. Hopefully they will get that done. Hopefully this is a sincere effort for the government to help the people who are working hard under primitive conditions, really, compared to most mining operations that you would see in European countries and more affluent countries. So we hope that turns out. Missouri is dinosaur country, says fossil hunter Gray Deruff. Now, uh, Emily Woodbury wrote this article, and you can see it at STL publicradio.org um, it's sponsored by NPR, the webpage but the article talks about these fossils and digging and Missouri is the place that was thought to be um, the home of the seropod 
But now they're finding out that this is not the big bronchiosaurus um, that they thought it was. It is more like a duck-billed dinosaur, the Parasaurus. So they are asking for help digging up this incredibly large creature. These particular Parasaurus, uh, which look kind of like a duck-billed, <coughs> are very rare. They said it is just the same as discovery of unearthing King Tut's tomb at this point. This is the only one of this caliber and this type. They've been finding a lot of bones, but this is an articulated, complete skeleton that they are digging out. They only had had the tail and um, another part. There is 35 foot long pieces left to unearth. They're asking for help in doing this. This is a big boy. Uh, the Field Museum has helped unearth this, and uh, they're probably a few way, a few years away from getting it out. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. Hopefully, they get that out. We can find out more about. It. There's a picture of it here, if you want to look at it. All right, the next dinosaur news is from Poland. Sorry, I had to get a cup of coffee there. Geologists uncover treasure trove of dinosaur tracks in Poland. Several hundred dinosaur tracks, to be sure, representing at least seven species. These are so good. Um, you want to go see this at uh, aljazeera.com under that title. And um, you can look it up. And there's no uh, nobody credited to this. But they say that the footprints are so good you can even see the skin of these creatures. Pretty cool. Polish Geological Institute, National Research Institute is describing this and telling us about this area that is about 80 miles south of Warsaw where you can see um, these footprints are being unearthed and they are learning a lot about it. Pretty cool. Also discovered bone fragments from animals and fish in this area. Next. Let's get something else. Uh, Scottsdale Hike. Barrier-free trail opens the desert to all. You go to azcentral.com. You can look that up. It's entitled Easy Hike in Scottsdale. Barrier-free trail opens the desert to all. This is in Arizona, um, a hot desert area. Uh, all sorts of things about the article here you can read, but also they have a, geolo a geology display right there where you can handle some of the rocks and minerals that are there. Um, this is more like a day hike. This is not so much a, a rock hounding spot, but a place to enjoy the native um, wildlife and fauna. They saw a mountain lion there there's a barrel cactus lechoya cactus saguaros the big tall ones that you might see on uh, tv and movies now mars nasa perseverance mars rover finds its baseline rocks jonathan amos tells us at bbc.com all about it and what i like about this is he's got some really good pictures of the rover and describing its different pieces. Now, what are they finding from this? They were hoping to find 
um, life of some kind. And uh, they thought they might have maybe found some, and now that is being, of course, debated and debunked uh, as being positively identification of life. What they had hoped was a stream, uh, a flow, and an alluvial actually turns out to be from an ancient lava flow. So not the water that they had hoped um, they're finding, but they are finding a lot of volcanic glass there. Um, they're still looking for mic microbial life, but they're not finding it. You can see a picture of the ancient delta, the crater rim, and uh, the map hued. They do find a lot of uh, olivine crystals, as I was mentioning, and uh, they will take some of these samples back. Some of them are going to be coming back, and they will date them and try to give you the dates of how old this area is. Um, but the rover is really cool. It has a power source. Uh, it has a nav cam. It has a super cam. It has a mass-mounted camera, so lots of cameras. It has something called the Sherlock and Watson spectro uh, spectrometer and camera. This spectrometer breaks down pieces of rocks and minerals that it finds and shoots light through them to identify the types of minerals that are there. They have a planetary instrument for X-ray lithiochemistry, also for identifying um, life or animals or plants and minerals, a Mars oxygen experiment called MOXIE, a drill. Of course, it has its little wheels and steering mechanisms, and all those pieces are really specified very well in this description at bbc.com under the article, NASA Perseverance Mars Rover Finds Its Baseline Rocks. You can check that out. Now, Madagascar. There is a lot of gemstones coming out of Madagascar. It's so much so that this is a gemstone rush. Not a gold rush, but a gemstone rush. And they're worried about the community and the wetlands that could be put under pressure at mongabay.com. Rivanolan Raza Fusion wrote the article and you can see the pictures of the workers there. Um, it doesn't look like they have uh, any safety gear on, but it looks like they have been digging. They're dirty. They're on a pile of what is probably um, tailings from the workings. They have uh, some canopies that are there to protect them from the hot sun. This area of Madagascar is loaded with gemstones, but this mining boom, they say, is a threat to the environment and the local community. Um, the population has doubled because people are flocking here for, for to make money. There's burl, there's uh, aquamarine, and other minerals that are being found here where they find one or two big ones, and that can feed their family for a long, long time. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of crime, it says here in the article, and... Yeah, STDs and other things are plaguing the area, just like the old boom towns of old that we had in this country. That money, uh, quick money, and, and putting it all on your hopes of finding a treasure does bring along um, that type of lifestyle, unfortunately. There are some 20,000 would-be miners who have converged on this scrubby, windswept hill 
on the western shade, uh, shore of Lake Altatora, Madagascar's largest wetland. So uh, in 2020, they were extracting mica and extracting burl and uh, aquamarine. And uh, they have pictures of bags and bags of this that they're selling. It is a burl uh, rush, this aquamarine. They sell by the handfuls. And most of the population in this country live on less than $2 a day U.S. money. Imagine that. I mean, that's, that's not enough to live on. That's nothing in this country. You could buy two boxes of Top Ramen, uh, or, or maybe a little bit more than that, but not much, not much more. Very, very hard life. Um, but now they want to stop it because of the crime that's affecting the area and because of um, the risk to these wetlands, they say. Um, the threat to the wetlands specifically um i'm not exactly sure what it is if it's the tailings um, i know mica is not good in concrete i don't know any other issues they said the sands and the mud will go into the lake with heavy rain so i guess they're worried about choking the lake off with um, silk and harming the fish and things like that is what it looks like um, the article goes on to talk about the things that the people are suffering. There is, uh, unfortunately, sex workers that are working here. And, uh, yeah, pretty bad situation. Uh, limited benefits even to landowners, they say here. And it goes on about uh, this. But, nonetheless, I think when you don't have any bigger hopes um, and no other places to work, you're going to do what you have to do to feed your family. It shows them living here in these tents. Um, burl, sapphires, and such are the prizes. So there you go. And they don't want to let us go here and, and pick up a few rocks and gems here in our country, right? <laughs> this is really a cool story. Um, I was going to save it for last, but... Queen of Asia, the world's largest corundum sapphire, unveiled in Sri Lanka. There's actually a couple articles on this that I have looked at. This one, um, I don't know who wrote it, but there is a picture of this huge, massive 661-pound monster that is called the Queen of Asia. Um, it looks kind of a greenish colored in this particular picture. It is over 300 kilograms. It is a largest natural corundum blue sapphire ever discovered about three months ago in a gym pit about 45 kilometers away from Colombo. And it is where about 90% of all corundum stones in the world are found at this town at this time, rather, in Sri Lanka, um, has been an area of gemstones being dug up and discovered for hundreds of years. Now, there was a similar star sapphire, but it was a cluster of them that weighed over 500 kilograms. So, I mean, you're talking probably well over a thousand, well, definitely over a thousand pounds, um, but not long 
after that, they found this single individual stone. They feel that the value of this stone is in excess of over a hundred million dollars. We'll have to see what that goes for. Um, pretty incredible. The other article on this amazing gemstone, um, they have it lit up, and uh, this one is from the Indian Express at indianexpress.com by uh, Reuters. You can see an article there about a group of monks that chanted blessings for the gemstone before it was unveiled. And uh, they have it lit up to show the blue hue of it. They say that it weighs 310 kilograms found in this gem pit at a private residence in Horana, Sri Lanka. What a whopper. What a beauty. Um, it was on display at the home of one of the gym pit owners in Horana, about 40 miles south of Colombo. And uh, there it is if you want to see it. You go to IndianExpress.com and Sri Lanka shows off giant natural blue sapphire. One last story. For our friends down under, fossil discovery shows some Australian thunderbirds had a painful bone infection before the species went extinct. Um, they have a picture of the creature there at abc.net.au. Um, it was written by Nick Calvert and or Kilvert, and you can check it out there. This giant flightless bird roamed the lake edges of southern Australia. It was a giant bird, sometimes called the Thunderbird, about two meters tall with a huge beak. And they feel, because of what they're finding in the fossil record here, that maybe it died from a painful bone infection. Um, who knows? Who knows, because they're gone now. But they have pictures of the fossils and the bones, and they can you can see this degeneration and abnormal growths in the cavities found on the chest, leg, foot, and other bones. Um, pretty cool. They hypothesize uh, climate change and all these other things that could have wiped it out. Um, but there you go if you want to check that out. Guys, that's about all I have. I'm sorry I'm late. I was so busy this week um, trying to start my new business. We're doing a handyman business, kind of a fix-it. And uh, I worked late those days, and we had family things, and just couldn't get it done. We're gumming up on the holidays this next weekend, so if I do anything, it will probably be very, very short, just to kind of wish you all happy holidays, and, uh, and that will be it if I do anything this next week. So thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, rock hounds don't die. They petrify.